Hi friends, this is Will Dyer, the pastor here at the First Baptist Church of Augusta. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the message that you are about to hear will give you some joy in your day. But more than that, I hope that this message will connect you to Jesus. The mission of our church is to connect people to Jesus Christ in a community of faith. And it is my greatest hope that the message you are about to hear will better connect you with Jesus and His way in the world. Hi friends, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and in just a moment, we're going to read verses 23 through 27. And today is a standalone sermon. It's not part of any series in particular, but this is a reminder for us as we're coming off of an election a reminder for us about how we are to focus our energies and our time, how we are to live with anxiety and a little bit of disorder in our common life together. So, if you've got your Bibles, again, open it up to Matthew chapter 8, and if not, you can simply listen as I will read to us now. Then Jesus got into the boat, and His disciples followed Him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him. So, friends, it was a normal night at my house uh, about a month ago, month and a half ago. Sarah and I ate dinner with the kids, as we do. We went and took baths, gave the kids baths. We got them in their jammies. We read books to them. And then at 7.30 on the dot, we put our kids to bed. We went downstairs. We watched a show, talked for a bit. And then at 9.30, as we do, Almost every night, we went and we got in the bed. We fell asleep, and everything was completely normal. Everything was good. (sighs) Until it wasn't. Because at 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning on September 27th, all of the fire alarms in my house decided to go off. Every single one of them. Because my smoke detectors in our newly renovated house, they are connected online. So, if one of the smoke detectors goes off, then absolutely all eight of the smoke detectors go off as well. And friends, if you want to be woken up in the rudest way possible, (laughs) then wake up to a fire alarm at 4 a.m. It was screeching loud. I jump out of bed. Sarah jumps out of bed. And above the sounds of the fire alarm, I hear my children, all three of them, screaming bloody murder. Sarah's first thought is to run and get the kids. My first thought is I need to make sure there isn't a fire. So I run throughout the house. I don't see anything. I don't know what caused it to go off, but I feel comfortable. I can cut the fire alarms off. So I press the button to cut off the trigger, and Sarah in the midst of all of this chaos, knew, if there is a fire, we need to get out of the house. 
and we have a security system. So, so what Sarah did was Sarah thought she cut off our security system. Well, in fact, what Sarah did was not to cut it off, but she cut it on. Not just in an on position where it might go off, but she triggered the alarm. So imagine, 4 o'clock in the morning, the fire alarms as loud as they could possibly be, the children screaming bloody murder. We finally get the fire alarms off. There's a period of about 10 seconds of silence when all of the sudden, on top of that, we get our security system going off. It was bananas. It was bananas. I cut it off, called the alarm company, said it was a false alarm, 4.15 in the morning, and I said, kids, it's time to go back to bed. And do you know what they said? No, it isn't. It's not time to go back to bed because they were literally shaking. They were so afraid. So we laid in the bed with the kids for a couple of hours. And then you can see by the picture that was taken that morning, Sarah and I never went back to bed. We are completely exhausted. And the chaos had been introduced into our life. And in what is so incredibly sad to me. Remember, that was in September. Even now, a month and a half later, every single night when I put Naomi, my two-year-old daughter, to bed, she looks at me and she says, Daddy, there's no beeping. Daddy, you fixed the beeping, right? Daddy, I don't like the beeping. It was a traumatic experience. (laughs) When I cut the lights off, I, I assure her there is no beeping. There's nothing happening like that. And I cut the lights off, and there's darkness in the room, and I put her down. And only about last week did she finally reach a point where she didn't start crying. Because, friends, that alarm that went off in September, it was chaotic. It introduced an element of unknown into her life, into all of our lives. And every night, it preoccupies her mind. Because I have to tell you, In the Dyer house, we do not like chaos. We do not like the unknown. And I don't think it's just us. I think as a general rule, as human beings, friends, no one likes living in the unknown. I think it is safe to say that people in general just do not like chaos. And the reality is, over the course of the past few months, there has been a lot of unknown. And in particular, as we've gone throughout this political process and it culminates with an election on Tuesday, I found myself having this internal chaos. You did too. You know the feeling. Wondering, is there going to be violence? Is there going to be disruption in our country? What's going to happen? And I want to pause for a moment and I want to say to each and every one of you who's watching, We just got done with a month-long series on politics. And the one thing I said is that if your candidate wins, that's fine. If your candidate loses, that's fine too. But at the end of the day, we need to recognize who is in charge. And we need to recognize that win or lose, the church of Jesus Christ is called to be a compelling force for good in the world. And I have to tell you, friends, I have been so incredibly proud. I'm filming this sermon on Thursday afternoon this week. And thus far, what I have seen on social media, on emails, in conversations with you, 
is that some of you, your candidate might lose, and, and you're being gracious and kind. Some of you, your candidate's going to win, but you recognize Jesus is the most important thing. So kudos to you. You have represented Jesus well. And I want to pray and ask that you continue to do so. Because the reality is, friends, it's Thursday afternoon, and we still undoubtedly have a few days, if not weeks left, before we recognize who is going to be the next president of the United States. In the state of Georgia, where Augusta is, we are going to have to wait until January to figure out who our senators are going to be. I think the reality is this, that even though we've responded well in this moment we find ourselves in, for most of us, for most of us, there is still this feeling of chaos in our lives. I would think you would agree with that statement. From the political process that I just mentioned and the unknowns all around that, and extending to COVID. Friends, we are now nine months. Can you imagine? Nine months into a pandemic. It seems like a million years ago when all of this started, but it's been nine months. And we've seen a first wave and then a calm down, and a second wave, and then a calm down, and now there's a third wave. And the reality is, I know because I'm talking to many of you, COVID is becoming a reality in our lives in a way that we haven't experienced thus far. Our friends are getting sick. Some of you have loved ones who have died. And so there is this feeling of chaos politics and pandemics. We're approaching the holidays, Thanksgiving, where we're supposed to be together as one big happy family, and Christmas, where we're supposed to all be together. And the reality is at this moment, we just don't know. There is so much, so much about our world, the current state of affairs, that we just don't know. And the reality is, as I said earlier, none of us likes to live in the unknown. None of us likes to live in the chaos. And yet, for many of us, that's how we feel. And what I know, because I see it all around, is that some of us, in, the, in an attempt to deal with the chaos in our lives, we're turning to unhealthy habits and unhealthy behaviors. We're turning our attention to things that shouldn't matter to us we're spending time in places where we never should be. We're numbing the pain with alcohol or food or toxic relationships or go on down the line because, friends, none of us like chaos and none of us like to live into the unknown. And so in this moment and on this day, for those of us who say we are followers of Jesus, but I want to extend as well, to, to those, all of you who are watching online, even if you aren't a follower of Jesus, what I want to say to you this morning is something that I hope will give you comfort. That friends, we believe deep down in the depths of our bones that God can take the unknown and turn it into something beautiful. Deep down in the fundamental depths of our bones as followers of Jesus Christ, we have this revolutionary concept that God can take the chaos and conquer it. 
that God can take all of the absurdities that are around us and focus them into something that is better than we could ask or imagine. Fundamental to the Christian faith is this beautiful concept that God can conquer the chaos. Wherever there is chaos in your life, God can conquer it. And we know that, friends, because it's all throughout our story. As a matter of fact, it's on the first page in the book of Genesis at the very beginning. In the beginning, Genesis 1, 1, the very first words. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and formless and darkness covered the face of the deep. Void and formless. There's this fascinating concept in Jewish theology, and it also comes forward into the Christian tradition, that these two words, void and formless, they come from this Hebrew phrase, tohu vavohu. Isn't that good? Tohu vavohu. This idea that in the beginning, There was this tohu vavohu, the Jewish theologians and philosophers of yesteryear and the Christian theologians of today and yesterday. They take this concept of tohu vavohu, and what they say is that in the beginning there was this primordial chaos. There there was this disordered creation, and God in the very beginning, his very first act of bringing life together was he took this tohu vavohu, this disordered creation, this chaos that is all around, and God gives order, and God gives life, and God takes the tohu vavohu, and he says, let there be light and let there be day, and let there be night. Let there be birds of the sky and fish of the sea. Let there be vegetation on the ground and everything that creeps along it. Let there be goodness all around. And then God says on the sixth day, let there be man, and let there be woman. And then God on the seventh day takes a break from all of his creating out of chaos. And what does God say? Not only is it good, but it, my friends, is very good. (laughs) And it all began with the tohu vavohu, the chaos that was present in the beginning. And God, and God alone, is the one who tames it. God is the one who conquers it, who takes the great unknown, the chaos of primordial creation, and He brings new and beautiful life out of it. This idea of the original uh, tohu vavohu, dark and void and formless, and the dark was over the face of the deep. For most Judaism and Christianity, this idea of the deep symbolizes water, And God's first act is to separate the dry land from the water. And for good Jews of the time of Jesus and prior to that, they were not seafaring people. They were afraid of the water. Because the water, my friends, was the great unknown. 
You did not know what was out there. You did not know what would happen if you ventured too far out into the water, whether it was the sea or the ocean. So they were typically on dry land. They were people who just decided it was safer to be on the dirt. (laughs) The Egyptians, they were seafaring people. The Greeks, they crossed mighty oceans to conquer great lands. But the Hebrews, the Israelites, from early on, they knew that the water was the chaos. (laughs) And friends, that's what makes our stories so significant. Because if water is chaos, then remember the Israelites understood that in their primal story, the Exodus story, as they were leaving slavery and going into freedom, what did God do? God parted the sea so that the Israelites could walk across on dry land, and there was chaos all around them, but God gave them a way forward, conquering the chaos and providing new life. And God did it then, and God does it now. The water is chaos, but God, God conquers even that. Yeah, the Israelites were not a people who appreciated being too far out into the water. And that's why what I read to you in Matthew chapter 8 is so incredibly significant. Because Jesus and his disciples, they're out on a boat. They, Jesus had been teaching and preaching. Jesus had been healing the sick and giving life where there was death and bringing hope out of situations of nothingness. And in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus and his disciples decide they're going to get in a boat just to take a break, to go out onto the Sea of Galilee and rest for just a few moments because undoubtedly they were tired. And the story in Matthew chapter 8 is that Jesus lays down in the boat. He takes a nap. The other disciples, we don't know what they were doing, but what we know from Matthew's story is that a storm begins to gather and the waves begin to whip and the boat begins to rock. And the disciples, they're afraid because if they go in that water, God knows if they'll ever make it back out alive. They are terrified because the water is chaos. The water is the unknown And so the story that Matthew tells us is that the the disciples in their chaos and frantic nature wake Jesus up and they call, Jesus, help us. We're going to die. Jesus, you've got to do something. (laughs) Jesus was asleep the whole time. Jesus wakes up (laughs) and he says to his disciples, Why are you afraid? And he rebukes the waves. And he calls down the wind. And the sea is calm once again. You see, God in the beginning conquered the chaos. And God in the Exodus provides a way for life out of the midst of death. He conquered the chaos then and now on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples losing their minds. Jesus rests in the boat, issues a word from his mouth. (laughs) And what happens? 
but the waters are calm and the wind is blown away. (laughs) And once again, God had conquered the chaos. I will never forget the first time I read that story. Many of you know this already, but I didn't become a Christian until I was in my 20s. I was in college. And when I was 21 years old, I had just turned 21, I woke up one morning and I received a phone call that my dad had died. And it was shocking and it was unexpected. And I had lost someone I loved so much. And my life at 21 years old, a college student, had been thrown into chaos. I didn't know what I was going to do next. And a week after my dad died, I went on a college retreat with some friends. It was a church that I loved and was a part of during that time in my life. And we went on this college retreat, and we were invited to go out and just sit by ourselves in the woods and to take your Bible with you and just to read it. And I will never forget for the first time reading this story in the midst of my chaos, in the midst of the storms of my life, to watch what Jesus did for those disciples and to hear the voice of God speaking to me in that moment, will God can do that for you too. The chaos of your life, the loss you have experienced, Jesus can show goodness out of that. Jesus can conquer even that chaos. (laughs) Friends, it's not just me. It's absolutely all of us. Absolutely all of us. We are just like those disciples That in moments like these that we are living in culturally, where there is chaos all around us, disorder all around us, we need to remember that Jesus and Jesus alone can conquer the storms in our life. That Jesus can calm the winds. That Jesus can speak down the chaos that is all around us and the formless void that is sucking all of our energy and our life doesn't stand a chance against the one who conquered death. So I want you to know, deep down in the depths of your bones today, Jesus can conquer the chaos. Do you know there's something else in this story that I think we need to hear? There's something else in this story that I think is really important for us to hear coming from Jesus. Because remember, he's lounging in the back of the boat. He's taking a nap because he's not worried about what's going on all around him. He knows that the good Father will take care of all things. And his disciples are freaking out. They are losing their minds. And they rush to Jesus and they shake him awake and they say, Jesus, get up. You've got to help us. What did Jesus say to them? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? 
don't the disciples know that Jesus is with them? And if Jesus is with them, then no one can be against them. Why are you afraid? And I need you to remember something. I need you to remember the most often repeated command in the whole of the Bible. More than anything else in the whole of this sacred story that is God's relationship to God's people and God's creation. More than anything else in the whole of the Bible, there is one command given to us by God. Do you know what it is? I've mentioned it to you before. More than anything else in the whole of the Bible, don't be afraid. If Jesus says it once, Jesus says it a multitude of times. Don't be afraid. All throughout the prophets, God says, don't be afraid. All throughout the Israelites' history, don't be afraid. Spoken then and spoken now. Friends, listen to me. The command given above all others, don't be afraid. Because God is with us And Jesus has conquered death. And if Jesus has conquered death, then ultimately everything will be okay. Don't be afraid. 365 times. Did you know that? 365 times in the Bible that command is issued to us. One for every single day of the year. Friends, don't be afraid. The author, uh, John, in one of his letters to uh, a church, says it like this, that perfect love casts out fear. And there is no room for that sort of nonsense in God's good world because we know Jesus, we know love, we know perfection, and in God's perfect love given to us and given to the whole of creation, we have nothing to fear. Because the chaos of our lives can be conquered with Jesus. And the worry of your life, you can give that to Jesus. So I wonder, I wonder, friends, where is there chaos in your life? Where is the chaos in your life? I've already mentioned politics. The political situation is going to extend on for weeks, if not months. Court challenges have already been filed, and disruption seems to be the order of the day. And for many of us, politics is consuming us and introducing a chaos we've never known. And today, friends, I want you to give it to Jesus. For some of us, this pandemic has completely upended everything that we hold good and true about our lives. And it's unknown, and it's scary, and we're lonely, and today you give it to Jesus because He can conquer the chaos. He can give you new life, new hope today. But for some of you, friends, this isn't about politics, and it isn't about pandemics, but the chaos of your life is so much deeper 
It is so much longer, years in the making of relationships that have been destroyed with a spouse, with a child, with a grandchild, with a grandparent. And you sit, and you weep, and you get angry, and you wonder how in the world has this happened, and I can't believe those people and what they've done, and it's never going to get better, and it's chaos all around. And today I say to you, friends, give it to Jesus. He can create something beautiful out of your disorder. Your marriage is broken beyond repair. You woke up one day and your spouse left you. And it's chaos. Don't you ever forget that God out of our ruins and out of our chaos, God can create something beautiful. <laughs> Don't give in to the fear, my friends. Don't give in to the chaos. You know, it was fascinating for me. Those fire alarms, when I, re when I went around and checked, do, do you know why they were going off? They were going off because I hadn't changed the batteries for two years. And there was something broken. And we were at risk because of my negligence, because of something that I had neglected to do. And it was a moment of chaos for us, but ultimately we are better as a result of it. We are safer because of that moment of chaos. And what I want to suggest to you, that in our common life together as a community, as a people, as a country, this is a moment of chaos. This is a moment of disruption. And maybe, friends, it's because something is broken. It's because something has been neglected. But the good news for us, the good news for us, is that out of that chaos, Jesus can bring something beautiful. So take your cares and your anxieties. Take your unknown, take your chaos, and today, give it to Jesus. Let's take a moment now. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for this morning for the opportunity to read these stories of Jesus and of you, O oh Father, who conquer chaos, who take our anxieties and give us new perspective and new possibilities. So God, for us, for us as individuals and for us, O oh Lord, as a country, help us today to turn our love to turn our devotion to You, to give our anxieties and our worries, O oh God, to You, because You are the one who conquers the chaos. And for each individual, O oh Lord, who is watching online or on television, who is dealing with disruption at a deep relationship level, a deep addiction level, God, today help them to put their hope in You, 
God, may they give you the chaos of their lives with the trust that you can create something new. God, this is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.